I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I was reading some emails from my house. I'm going to split my time up. Since that stroke I had, I've been getting weak pretty easy, pretty quick. And I've been reading for an hour and a half. And uh, then I've been preaching for an hour and a half on the same day. And I can't do that anymore. It was just killing me. And especially after that stroke. So I I was reading at the house. We're going to set up a camera at the house. Upstairs in my library, I've got a a dry erase board the same size as this one. So I'll be reading from there from now on. Other than a few letters that we get here and maybe a, a few things people sending us. I got a letter and a guy said something in the letter. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. And his name was James in South Carolina. He said, and a lot of people feel this way, my family loves to throw my earthly struggles in my face to make them righteous. And I went, whoa. I think that's what a lot of people do. They like to take the sin of your past and throw it at you. It makes them feel more righteous. People love to get revenge for your sins, but they don't want to admit their own. Man likes to find the worst sin in others that tells him his lesser sin is not so bad. Men go to hell for unrepentant sin, not sins, plural. One sin will put you into hell. One. And if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself, you lie, and the truth is not in you. Man has invented demons. I've put a title up here. Man has invented demons so that he doesn't have to repent of himself. Demons are self. I've been saying that over and over. Let me tell you something Jesus said here in Hebrews. In Hebrews, the first chapter, in verse 3, speaking of Christ, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, holding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins. He poeo our sins. Poeo is the word do. He got rid of our sins. It doesn't say that he purged our demons. He never tells us, if any man will come after me, let him deny his demons. He did not say that. He didn't believe that. Jesus never said people had demons. That was the culture they lived in. It was their imagination. And in the first century, most demons were considered good. Good daemonion. D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. How am I going to preach against self and repenting of self without bringing up demons? I can't, because demons and self are the same thing. Jesus said so in just a few words. I keep using Mark, the first chapter. There was a man with an unclean spirit. The Bible says he had an unclean 
you could say this is our text verse for this entire series. Unclean spirit. That's in Mark, the first chapter. And when he had an akatharos, A-K-A-T-H-A-R-O-S, that is the word unclean. It comes from katharizo, K-A-T-H-A-R-I-Z-O, means clean. And katharizo is our word cauterize. All of our languages come, go back to the Greek. Cauterize. The alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, is the alpha. When it's an alpha privative, alpha privative, it negates the word. Your concordance will say from one as it'll say, if it's an alpha privative, it'll say from one as a neg part. That's the way it'll say it in your concordance, as a negative particle. And one, when you open up your concordance and look in the dictionary at the back, number one is the alpha from one as a negative particle and it means it's going to negate that word it means not clean but unclean every time you find from one as a negative part and that's exactly the way it'll say it in every concordance they print it means whatever word it is it goes against that word and gives the opposite meaning it's not any different than atypical in the English. Atypical means not typical or asexual. Means not sexual. Same thing in the English. So that's not hard to remember, is it? Now, this man in Mark 1, the same man is spoken of over there in... Let me move this. The same man... the. This is why whenever you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, these three Gospels are called synoptic Gospels. S-Y-N-O-P-T-I-C. It comes from the word synonymous. They have a synonymous view in them, and many of them will have the same happenings that, that maybe Mark and Luke will have a happening, and Matthew and Mark will have the same happening, and Matthew and Luke will have the same event. Well, Luke had the same event of the same man, the exact same man in Luke 4. And the Bible says Jesus went into the synagogue and saw a man that had an unclean and it says devil but the word is D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N Daemonion 
That's our word demon. So if this is the same man, and it is, then an unclean demon is the same thing as an unclean spirit, isn't it? So whatever Jesus said this was in Mark 1, it's going to be a demon. Whatever he said it was. And Jesus and the man said, and you have to understand something. I've got this out of many of my books. The man over here in Mark 1 said, What have we to do with thee? He used plural. And everybody in the first century, demons were a part of their culture, a part of of their superstition. And everybody was going around casting spells and trying to remove spells and casting a demon on somebody. And I'm going to have this demon come up on your life. And they lived in fear constantly of their neighbor, of the of the witch doctor down the street that they called a soothsayer. And they lived in fear that they were going to cast some spell on them. Well, if you got to notice what they said. They said the demons came in hordes, came by many, many. That's why he said we. And they always said the demons were feminine gender. That's exactly what the guy said in Luke 8. Jesus said, What fellowship represents this authority that's in your life? And he said, he said, he said, legion. And legion, a legion of soldiers in the Roman army was 3,000 like I said up to it, up to 6,000 so that was many hordes that's why the guy said we what have we to do with thee and Jesus turned around the way that he will correct something he'll change the gender and he changed the gender on that by saying Jesus rebuked him Him is the word A-U-T-O. We get our belief as much as anywhere else that demons are self because that is a form of our word A-U-T-O. It'll either be him, her, and these are all singular. Jesus rebuked him, masculine gender, singular. So this is the man he rebuked. That is very important to understand. And it was singular, him, A-U-T-O, is masculine gender. Sometimes they will, you've got all these different uh, formulas for the way they would interpret A-U-T-O comes from our word A-U-T-O and word endings are changed. That's self there. So it can be a it can be him or A-U-T-A-T-A her 
or it can be A-U-T-O-N, which would be masculine, or it can be A-U-T-A-U-T-E. It can be E-A-U-T-O-U-E-2, right here. That's the word deny self. If any man will come after let him deny self, this is called an augment. An augment changes a little bit meaning of the word deny. It's him denying himself. So I'm going to get away from this and get on to some of the things I want to get to. I believe, and there's other reasons we believe, of course, he said, what have we to do with thee? And Jesus rebuked him, masculine, gender, singular. And the Pharisees that were watching said, this man commands even the the spirits. And they used neuter gender. There's three people here. There's the Pharisees using neuter gender, plural. There is the man using feminine gender, plural. There's Jesus using masculine gender, singular, himself. Which one are we going to believe? You've got to look at who's talking and who's receiving the words. That's the only way you can understand the Bible. You've always got to, Mary's always telling me, who is he talking to here? I said, it depends on what's being said. It, she's been reading through the Bible, reading through Jeremiah. Well, she read all the way through the Bible up to Jeremiah. And I'd say, this is God talking to Jeremiah. You've got to look slow at the Bible. You can't look at it fast. Read your Bible slow. Pay attention to the words. Now, so, I am absolutely sure, besides that, besides all of this, demon in the first century was what they called... They're gods. They call their gods Deamonion. D-A-I-M-O-N. This is our word demon. D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. That's our word demon. And they, and the pagans, the pagans interchanged the word Deamonion or demon with the word Theos. Theos. Theos is the word, the Greek word, God. Either big God or little G-O-D. Now Jesus told the Pharisees, Have I not, I said, ye are gods? God is not necessarily a godly word. It can be. If it's capital G-O-D, it would be godly. That would be the Lord God, and there's only one God, the Lord God. But when Jesus told the Pharisees, have not I said that you are gods, little g-o-d-s, the word is simply the same word, theos. It means a judge or a magistrate. How could the Pharisees have been gods? Well, they came up with their halakha. And they decided what the truth was. 
and they were judges of what was right and wrong and they were totally wrong with their halakha. So, I've got some things I want to read to you about demons. It's a bunch of it's a bunch of of words out of different books that I've had for years. I told Mike last night, I said, when I recommend books, people will get the books and then they won't read them. <laughs> a lot of people here will get them won't read them, won't they? Won't you? They're hard to read. I know that some of you have got jobs and you're trying to make a living and it's not much time to read. I read all the time. If you won't read, I'll read for you. You come here and I'll lay it out for you on these tables, okay? Now, it's hard for people to realize this, but America was founded on good demons. That's what it was founded on. In the first century, most of the demons were considered good. I keep saying this. Demon... The Jews called their ancestors by the title of Damanion. And what they did, they deified their ancestors as what you call, they called demigods or lesser gods. Half men and half gods. That's what Hercules was. That's what Perseus was. That's what Venus was. That's what Aphrodite was. They were actually, when you see one of these movies and they're a big statue and all of a sudden they come alive, like in the old movie uh, uh, Clash of the Titans and and the female deity comes alive. They were God-men or men-gods. Where did that all start? Demon comes from the word dio. And it means to distribute fortunes. And fortunes does not mean just money. It can be applause or awards or property or money. Anything that will get you attention, it all has to do with self. When I was in real estate, everybody wanted to get the fanciest car, so I wanted to get the fanciest car. And I went up to Springfield and to the, uh, uh, I can't even think of the name of the car I had. What? A uh, Lincoln, yeah. I saw a Lincoln on the show floor, and I said, I want that. And I wanted it because it would make me shine. Demon means to distribute fortunes. I said this the other day. The love of money is one word in the Greek. Love of money is the word philogoria. P-H-I-L-A-R-G-U-R-I-A. Philogoria comes from two words, philos. That's one word. I got to writing while I was still talking. That's one word. Philos is a form of phileo, which is one of the words that has been translated love, which is really not a good word, because phileo means affection. 
Of course, that's one word that's been translated love. And the other word is agape. And that was a relationship that fathers had for their families that that kings had for their subjects. The Bible says, Second John 6, that's one of my favorite verses to quote. Second John 6, this is love. This is agape that we walk after his commandments after the commandments of God that's what agape is it is not phileo you can have affection for anything but philogoria we'll even talk about philotos p-h-i-l-a-u-t-o-s philotos means to have an affection for auto that don't mean have an affection for your car auto is the word self an automobile is self-mobile. Philatos means to love self. That's all it means. And if you don't like yourself, why are you fixing yourself up all the time, dressing yourself up fancy, and buying a supercar and a super house and making lots of money and feeding yourself what you want? I'm not saying don't make a living, but let me tell you what you can do. You can get involved in self so much. Has anybody done that besides me? I am guilty of that. I have wanted me more than I've wanted anything in my life. And that is what a demon is. And I let me read something to you. In the first century, they called the demons good demons. This was the word they used. E-U-D-A-I-M-O-N-I-A. Eudaimonia. You means well or good. You see that you on eulogy, E-U-L-O-G-Y. Eulogy comes from you, meaning well, logos, well words. You go into a funeral and you say good words over somebody. Now, let me read to you out of, I'm going to read to you out of Webster's Dictionary. How's that for something? And if you get a Webster's Dictionary, get the Intercollegiate Dictionary, that has the origin of the words. Don't just get a dictionary that's got defined. You want for it to say O-E, Old English, or from the G-R, Greek, or whatever. That's what that's what it'll say in here. Uh, it'll say from, uh, it'll be a noun, and it'll be from this type. Let me read to you the word eudaimonia. Eudaimonia, out of Webster's Dictionary. This is out of Webster's. Eudaimonia, from the Greek. Eudaimonia, how's that? It says exactly what I said it. And then it says happiness. That's what they called Augustus Caesar in the first century a good demon. Because he distributed the fortunes of the empire. Blessed with a good genius. What the Jews called demons, the Romans called genius. Is that not a gifted person? That was the Romans. And then what the Romans called genius, the the Arabs called genie. R-J-I-N-N 
is plural. Anytime you read something that says gen, it's just a form of genie. Genie and genius come from the word gene. Oh, we said that the, that the Jews deified their ancestors and called them daemonion. That was their ancestors. That was daemonion. Their ancestors were so supposed to come and occupy somebody's body and lead them to good fortunes, lead them to a good job. Now, when they started inter- interjecting evil demons, that's not what they were at first. They were just their ancestors that came to guide them to good fortunes. Of course, the the Greeks called them guardian angels. Now, why does God need angels to guard your life when he's declared the end from the beginning, from ancient times, everything that's not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I'll do all my pleasure? Why does he not need somebody to help guide anybody? I think God can do it all by himself, can he? Or he can send Michael, the archangel, on a mission to kill 185,000 men in one night if he wants to. Michael will go over and kill those people. He doesn't need somebody hovering around over us. There's no such thing as guardian angels. God's got our lives already programmed. Let me read the rest of this. And then it will say, fortunate. I like that. Fortunate, happiness, or well-being. In Aristotle's philosophy, happiness or well-being, the main universal goal, distinct from pleasure, derived from a life of activity governed by reason. Then it gives you eudaemonism. To call happy, to ethical doctrine, that personal happiness is the chief good. This is out of Webster's. Personal happiness is the chief good and the proper aim of action. In other words, do it for yourself, whatever makes you feel good. Don't crucify self so somebody. Don't look out. The Bible says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We're not to look at our own welfare, but the welfare of others. That's Christianity. Eudaemonism. America was built on a wicked doctrine, a demon doctrine. Such happiness conceived in terms of well-being, virtuous and rational self-realization. I don't think that's biblical, is it? We're to crucify self and live for others. Let me throw that down there. Now, let me see here. I've got... When you get into studying all these different books I've got, I've got out of the Hastings over there, I've got an article on tutelary gods. Tutelary gods were gods that hovered around and watched over people. Tutelary gods and spirits. You can take Hastings' Encyclopedia of Religion, and they've got a section called Demons and Spirits. And in the first paragraph it says, to apportion or to distribute fortunes. You realize that that the United States was founded on an evil concept. It was founded on good demons. 
Eudaimonism, they will tell you, means welfare. You say, aren't we supposed to take care of others? Yeah, but the welfare is not supposed to be for ourselves. It's to be for others. We've got all this thing turned around. Demon and capitalism have the same definition. When you look up capitalism in the Webster's, it'll say, to distribute the fortunes of the factories and railroads to the individual. Now, it'll go on down here to say, the conception of tutelary guardian genius, a guiding spirit believed to protect and watch over certain persons and objects, appears to arise as soon as the powers of observation and generalization are succinctly or sufficiently developed to bring about a systemized scheme by which natural phenomena come to be divided into classes and assigned to particular departmental deities and spirits. And then on down here it talks in the bottom of this article. The Iroquois Indians at their festival thank the good spirits and every object that ministers to their wants for the assistance rendered unto them. In process of time, a tutelary guardian genius is assigned to every individual. Who's, that's what their totem pole was about. Totem means kinfolk. Had the same meaning as the Jews said the demons were. It was their, their genes from the past coming to be gods in their lives. How many people know this? I don't think hardly any of them know it. The Pentecostals don't know it. They wouldn't say the things they say. It's to guide, protect, and warn the man under his care. And then he goes on. The spirit of an ancestor or a great chief or mighty musician, it may belong to a deity. A deity is a god. Let me see if i got anything else on that. I just, I've been wanting to read some of this to you, and I can't get to all of it. And it's got a section in this on forms of guardian spirits. It goes into all different kinds of things. A man's guardian spirit is thought to manifest itself under the form of an animal. That's what the totem pole did. If your guardian was a fox, you never killed a fox. If you were one of these Indians... And it, I, I can't go into all of these things. Let me give you something else. I've got a section just on eudaimonism out of the Hastings Encyclopedia of Religion. Eudaimonism may be defined as the theory that the ethical end, the ultimate object to be achieved by action and conduct in your life, the standard and final criterion of what ought to be is welfare. But that means taking care of yourself. Welfare is not to be regarded as identical with happiness, although the latter term has been widely and even generally employed as rendering of the Greek word, which welfare, happiness may, of course, and what they've done, 
they've redefined these things or added to them. All right. I can read I can read through of this and I don't have time to read all of it. Otherwise I can't say some of the other things. I believe demons are nothing but man's own sin that he doesn't want to repent of. And what he did, he invented demons so he doesn't have to investigate his own sin. Everybody here has sinned, has sinned greatly. And the reason I know that, because I have sinned greatly. And there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. I'm a man. I've owned up to my sin. I feel terrible for the some of the things in my past. And I've asked God to forgive me over and over and over, even today. Even driving to work, I never stop repenting. Say, God, forgive me for my past. The reason men have invented demons, like I said in the title, is because they don't want to deal with their own sins. So they invented this. Now, I've got some things I want to say. I've said already... The problem was with man is himself. Let me... I'm talking about the inner and the outer man. The inner man is Christ and the outer man is the demon or itself. Jesus didn't say... I came to purge you of your demon. He said, I came to purge you of your sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. Unto him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. If you know to do right and you don't do it, it's sin. And whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Faith is death to self. Everything we do, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do it all to the glory of God. And do it all to crucify self. That's everything we should... You know, as I've gotten older, at 82, I question everything I do now. I mean, in the last 10 years, I've just gotten to where I question everything. Do you do that? We're supposed to. We're supposed to say, should I be saying this? Should I be doing this? The reason people don't like what's going on in the world, you got the inner man and the outer man. The outer man, Paul says, is self. If demons are self, that is your demon. It's you. Don't believe in demons. I've studied demons more than anybody I know. I've never heard a preacher even deal with this. When you really find out what they are, you go look yourself in the mirror and say, you need to behave yourself. And you'll quit finding fault and trying to get revenge. Revenge is a problem with every believer. Revenge, the Bible calls it vengeance. God says, vengeance is mine. Is mine. 
I will repay, thus saith the Lord. That word vengeance is the word ekdikasis. Ek, D-I-K-E-S-I-S. It comes from the word decay. D-I-K-E. You see that in the middle of the word, don't you? Decay is the word right. The word ek is our word exit. It means out. That word over that door, exit, means it's a Greek word, out. It, vengeance means to write out. I will write this out. I'll make it right. No, you won't. No matter what it is, no matter how bad somebody has done you, no matter how bad your ex is, that will hit a whole bunch of people, you're not supposed to get revenge on anybody. What do I do? We'll go back over here to Romans 12. Romans 12. What do you do? I've got people that are always trying to give me a hard time and that are trying to fix me about something that's happened in the past. Am I supposed to defend myself? No. Absolutely not. God says, revenge comes from me. And he says here, look at verse 14, Romans 12. Bless them which persecute you. Now, when it says bless, who gets to define the word bless? Do you get to define it? Well, God bless you. I want to give you some ice cream and cake. And I hope you have a good life. And I hope you... Bless is the word eulogio. E-U-L-O-G-E-O. It means well. Logos. Logos is the Greek word word. So what do you get to say to these people? The word of God, the way God says to say it. Tell them what they need to do about repenting of sin. But don't be angry when you do it. It's hard to find somebody that will say, you're right, I need to stop doing that. If you say it in the right manner. If you say something to somebody and put an inflection in your voice, that is condemning. You're saying the wrong thing. I don't care if you say the right word that needs to be said to them. You've got to keep an inflection out of your voice that sounds like you're condemning them. Boy, that's hard to do, isn't it? Hard for me to do. Well, probably the reason I can do it better than I ever have is because I'm 82. That helps. If you can get old, I keep saying, I need to pray that God will make everybody in this congregation 65 today. And that will help you a lot. Because when you get to be 65, you get tired of self. But when you get to be 70, you get disgusted with yourself. Your old self, that's what you get disgusted with. I've said this so many times. If I could go back in time and run into Jim Brown at about 32 years old, I would hit him in the mouth so hard. Say, you stupid person. Behave! Of course, he wouldn't believe me. Even though he knew it was me. 
Now, let's read on here. Bless them which persecute you. Persecute is the word dioko. D-I-O-K-O. Dioko means to flee. You're running from these people. They're trying to stop you. And you're not supposed to get revenge from them ever. Let's keep reading. And curse not. Don't try to anathematize them. Don't try to stop them. Leave them alone. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. What do you mean rejoice? The word is caro, C-H-A-I-R-O. comes from the word kara. Kara is the word joy. Rejoice is basically the same word. It's talking about, in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, we're not to rejoice with iniquity. What? It don't mean rejoice with everybody. Paul told the Philippians in Philippians, the fourth chapter, those first two verses, he says, you are my joy and crown. Philippians that love God, you are my cara. When he said rejoice not with iniquity, iniquity is the word anomia, A-N-O-M-I-A. Anomia comes from nomos, which is the Greek word law. It has a wonderful definition when it says it means legally prescribed food for animals. And what are we? We are sheep, aren't we? So this is our legal food. That's what Jesus meant when he said to the apostles when he went into town to get some food in John 4 and they came back and he was talking to this woman at the well. They said, have you had anything to eat? And he said, my meat is to do the will of the Father. That's my food. So anomia would mean the alpha primitive when it's I said it earlier, that's the first letter of the Greek alphabet. When you look up that word iniquity, it will say from one as a neg part. That's abbreviation for negative particle. From one, when you look up one in your concordance, it will be the A. So when it says neg part, it means a negative particle. It will negate the word. It means no law, no legal prescribed food for animals, no word of God. And God's law is his word. So we are not to have, we're not to be rejoicing with people who have no law. That means... Don't hang around the wrong people. If you hang around the wrong people, what happens to you? You learn you learn their ways. Paul the twenty second chapter of Proverbs says 
make no friendship with an angry man, one that's angry with God, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare unto your soul. Hanging around the wrong people. Have I done that? Oh, you bet your life. When I was in gospel music and in the pop music world, I hung around a lot of people that got me into sin. I said, if they can do this, I can do that. Have you ever said that? Huh? Oh, I know you have. You know how I know there's no temptation taking you because it's common to me. I'm a man, and I've owned up to what's in my heart, so I know what's in yours. Have you done that, Michelle? Thank you for yes. Even if you say you hadn't, I know you have. Because we've all had common... Well, where is that, Jim? Well, you go over there to 1 Corinthians. See, 1 Corinthians 10. You... I'm in the wrong spot. It says, There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will, with this temptation, make a way of escape. Now, a lot of times we don't want the escape, do we? No, we don't. I've got so many things to say about the demons. What I want us to do is go back to where we were last week. Let's let me lay the foundation one more time. Go to Romans 7. Romans 7. Romans, the 7th chapter. And I want us to read some of this because this is what it's about. Romans 7. I love teaching on this because it's it's so profound. Most people read this chapter and have no idea what it's talking about. Verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am. This is the Apostle Paul. Am is a present tense being verb. I am, when I'm writing this, I am carnal. Carnal is the word sarkikos, or sark, sarkikos. That is the word carnal. It means fleshly. He's going to wind this thing up, telling us that's the outer man. I am fleshly, sold under sin. I am. Am is present tense. Be as am, or was, were, being, been, have, has, had, do, does, did, what, shall, should, would. Those are the being verbs. May, might, must, can, could. I thought I'd finish it up. Uh, those are the being verbs. Am is a present tense being verb. Was is a past tense. Am is, I am right now, carnal, I'm fleshly. For that which I do, another being verb, present tense. I allow, the word allow is the word gnosko. I don't know that in my life. That which I do is not what I want to do. For what I would, there's another being verb, present tense. That do I not, 
another president's being verb do. But what I hate, that's what I presidents do. If then I do that which I would not, both those do and would are present tense being verbs. If I do that which I don't want to do, I consider the law that it's good. But you have to be, you have to be like Paul. He's owning up to his sin in this chapter. Not sin that he had in the past when he was killing Christians, but sin that he has at that moment. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And he's going to tell us at the end of this chapter that the sin is self. It's his demon. If men knew just how serious a demon was, and it's them. You know, this convicts my heart whenever I teach it. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth, comes from word or cause house is housed no good thing for to will is present with me will is a present tense being verb and how to perform katogadzomai how to k a t e r g a z o m a i how to fully accomplish How to fully accomplish in my life that which is good. I don't know how to do it. I That which I would, that and how to perform that which is good, I don't find in my body. Paul is confessing and opening up to you. Paul was weak, but he's just getting started on his messages. When he got old, that's when he said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. Content, autarkes, I give it to you last week, A-U-T-A-R-K-E-S. It comes from auto, oh, there's that word again, A-U-T-O, and archaeo. It means to push away self. And he said that when he was in prison waiting to be executed. I've learned. He didn't know that when he didn't know that in this chapter right here. Philippians was a was a prison epistle when he was in prison waiting to die. He didn't know that right here in this seventh chapter of Romans. Verse nineteen for to for the good that I would do the Agathos the Agathos. That beneficial thing that I would do. And he said, that's not what I do. You think he wasn't wrestling with his flesh? You think you don't need to wrestle with your flesh? I wrestle with my flesh every day, especially for when I found out, studying this thing on demons, that the demon was me. It's just the flesh. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And the sin is the outer man. 
I find in a law that I would, when I would do good, would do is both present tense verbs, being verbs. When I would do good, that word good is kalos. What is beautiful in the eyes of God. These are two different words, good. Kalos means honest. When I would be honest and do what's beautiful in the eyes of God, He says, when I would do good, evil is present with me. Evil is going to, you're going to find out that's the outer man. That's the demon in every man. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. We're going to find out the inward man is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the new birth. New birth. And there's a fight going on between this inner man and and the outer man, as long as we live. Boy, it's a fight getting over that outer man, isn't it? But I see another law in my mind, members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, in my hands, in my eyes. Boy, if you... I know the sin that men have. Men that like women, I know the sin you've got. How do I know that? Well, I'm a man. And believe it or not, it don't ever completely go away. When you see some outrageously gorgeous woman in public, don't tell me how you got attracted to that, you man. I know better than that. I am an old man, and it attracts me. And it makes me want to kill myself. I could tell the story. I saw a woman up at Publix, I don't know, 10 years ago. Never forget. The woman was drop-dead gorgeous. Had her dress up to her, nearly to her thighs. She had a plunging neckline. She looked like a movie star, about five foot eight or nine and it made me mad because I was old enough to get angry I wanted to go up and say do you not know and I know you do that you're causing all the men in this store to lust after you that's what makes me mad women will take their bodies and show them off out in public and they know what they're doing and all men are attracted to that don't tell me you're not not unless you like men. It's it's disgusting what our society has come to. And then he says those magic words. Verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am right now. Am is present tense. Oh, wretched man. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He was saying something that was common knowledge to the Romans. When a man would do something terrible and he would kill a man, sometimes the Romans would have the man carry the dead body around on his back for days before they executed him. 
He says, I'm carrying a dead man around me on my body. And then he tells you what that is. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, with the noose, with my intellect, with the mind I submit, I, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Then he talks about, all the way through the next chapter, he talks about the carnal man. When he talks about the carnal man, he's talking about what he defined in Romans. Romans 7.25 Every time he mentions the carnal man, when he says, there is therefore, therefore is a conjunction. It, it is con- a conjunction connects the preceding. It says, subordinate conjunction. It is connecting the things that he just said with what he's about to say. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, which is the inner man. That inner man is the new birth. There's a fight going on between these two our whole lives. And it... I'm not just talking about men. I'm talking about women too. There's that fight is going on. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after, well, it says the flesh, but they said the way it is. Who walk not after the inner man, not the outer man, excuse me. Who walk not after the outer man, but after the spirit, the inner man. For the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus, the inner man, hath made me free from the law of sin, the outer man. All through this is talking about the inner and the outer man. And you get down here to verse 7. The carnal mind or the outer man is enmity against God. Remember that word enmity? Ekthra. Hostile. The outer man is hostile to the inner man. I don't want to give up my sin. What do you mean, Jim Brown? I think that's pretty good looking, a good looking woman. I'll have the car I want if I have to work three jobs to get it. Do you know, I didn't realize how bad that was till these last 12 or 15 years when I've been studying this a lot. It's got my heart convicted. And he talks about the carnal, man is, the carnal mind is enmity against God. He, he's still talking about that last verse and the entire chapter of the previous chapter. Economize enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, the inner man, neither indeed can be. What does the outer man have to do? He has to die. How long does it take him to die? 30, 40, 50 years? I don't know. It's taken me a lifetime to get over. And there's still some of me on this outer man left. 
if you can get old, it'll help you. It just helps more than anything. Where you don't want the things you used to want. It reminds me of Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter. Remember now thy creators in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no more pleasure in the days of my youth. I don't care about going to the fair at all. I loved it when I was 15. Please don't make me go to the midway. No. Mary says, let's go out to the fair and look at the exhibits. I say, I can do that. But I will not go down the midway and some clown is saying, come over here, buddy. I got a deal for you. I don't like deals. Get away from me. That's what I say to them. Well, I got some free money for you. I don't like free money. And I really don't. So then, verse 8. So then, they that are in the flesh, the outer man cannot please God. Isn't that what it says? That's the fleshly man. It says that very thing in verse 25. But with the flesh, the law of sin. I serve the outer man. Let me read it the way it really should be. Okay. Verse 9. Ye are not in the outer man, but in the inner man. Ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. That's the only way you can understand predestination, is knowing this is a fight between the outer man and the inner man, because predestination hits us in verse 29, doesn't it? You cannot understand predestination until you understand this whole chapter and the chapter before it. Put it in perspective. Let's keep reading. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, where was I? Was I nine? Ten. And if Christ be in you, the inner man, he's... Huh? If you are not if you are not in the flesh but in the spirit, that's a reference to the inner and the outer man. By the way, there was no chapter headings, no such thing, chapter eight. There was no chapter heading and there was no numbers. One, two, three, four, five. It was all one scroll and it all one thought. That's why you cannot separate chapter 8 from chapter 7 or chapter 7 from chapter 6 or chapter 6 from chapter 5. It was all one letter. Read it that way. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, that's the inner man, remember. Now if any man have not the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, That is the inner man. If you have not been born again, that's what he's saying. You don't have the inner man. You're none of God's. Having the Holy Spirit come and live in your life is not a second work of grace. It's a continuing work of grace. So when the Pentecostals say you've got to get the Holy Ghost, what if you don't have him, you're not one of his. 
That's the inner man that births. And you're birthed by the will of God. We were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When he comes down to his elect family and says, I'm birthing myself in you. I'm crossing your path with the preaching of the truth. And you will believe and I'll cut in your heart and cause you to believe. Believing faith comes from God. And if Christ be in you, the inner man, and the body is dead because of sin. This outer man is a dead man. We live with a living dead. And that's our body. That's also all of these vessels of wrath that are fitted to destruction. They're the, they're the living dead out here. And that's most people in the world. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And only a few find this straight and narrow way. A few. Oligos, a puny number. Most people are going to hell. They're not going to heaven. This thing of eternal life is serious. It's about God dealing with that outer man. And he will deal with every one of his elect. And you will start dealing with this yourself. And it won't be me. It may be the message I preach that will start convicting you. But it won't be me. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, which is the new birth in us, of his own will begat he... Let me put it this way. James 1.18. Of his own will begat the inner man in us. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Quicken. Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O. Zoo means alive. This is the word quicken. Poeo, we used that earlier, means to make alive. You go to the zoo to see living animals. So, he will quicken these physical bodies that we live in by his spirit that dwelleth in you, that inner man. You know, this chapter is not that hard if you keep you keep it in conjunction with the previous chapter, does it? It's not so hard to understand. Then he said, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to the outer man, to live after the flesh. But if you live after the outer man, the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify, you mortify necrao. You can recognize that from necromancy. Necromancy means to talk to the dead. Necro means to kill off. This outer man dies hard. He dies slow, and he don't want to give up self. You know, living for self is a strain. It is a strain. The Bible says that in Revelation 18. The Bible says if you're Babylonian... You live in Stranos. Stranos in a strain. It's our word strain. If you're living for let us make us a name. And that is Genesis 11.4. Make us 
a name. That is the foundation of Babylon. That is, and Babylon was the mother of all idolatry, and this was her doctrine she was founded on. That's the only reason won't people want to fancy your car than their neighbor, or fancy your house, or fancy your yard, or better clothes, is to compete and look better. It's all about self, isn't it? Self is the demon. And then he goes on to say, People will know what the sons of God are. Verse 14 tells you, For many, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, led by the inner man, these are the sons of God. When they try to come up with the sons of God or fallen angels, how can fallen angels who are not being led by the Spirit be sons of God? They can't be. And the Spirit of God is the inner man. You cannot interpret the 8th chapter of Romans without the 7th chapter. And then he says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba comes from the word Ab. Ab is the word Father in the Hebrew. Abba is like saying Daddy. We cry, Abba, Father. And then he goes on. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Witness. Conscience is the word sunitesis. It means to see it all with. The inner man demands that the outer man see. And we are martyrs because we see with Christ, the Bible says. We see the inner man over the years causes us to see the wickedness of ourselves. And that's the demon or self in us. And what word was I in? How much time do I have, Mike? Let me jump on down in this chapter. Everywhere you read in this chapter is going to be talking about the inner and the outer man. Because we're coming from the previous chapter. And then when you look here in verse 20, For the creature was made subject to vanity, metiotes, transientness, evil, inutility, M-A-T-A-I-O-T-E-S, M-A-T-A-I-O-T-E-S, it means useless. The, the creature in the garden, Adam, was made subject to vanity. He was made out of corrupt dust. I don't have time to go into that. Not willingly, it wasn't Adam's will, but by reason of him, of God, who hath subjected the same Adam in hope. God picked up this dust when Satan was cast out of... said I wasn't going to talk about it. Satan was cast out of heaven in the 7th chapter of, and the 12th chapter of Revelation. Re, the 12th chapter of Revelation is a panoramic view of all time. Pan was one of the gods of the ancient world. Pan was the god of all. When you say panoramic, you're talking about an overall view. 
when Satan was cast out of heaven by Michael the archangel and a third of his angels, the, the angels were cast into hell according to the second chapter of Second Peter and they were cast into hell reserved to the day of judgment. Satan was cast in the earth and he corrupted everything. The stars are not clean, the moon is not clean, the earth is not clean. And God picked up this corrupt dust and made Adam out of it and said, Now, thou shalt not eat of that tree, and the day you do, you'll die. He didn't say, If you eat. He said, The day you eat, you'll die. That's where that outer man came from. That's where this flesh came from. Do we have sin in this flesh? Yeah, it's that's the Satan in us. Satan is not some mysterious word. It's the word Satanas, S-A-T-A-N-A-S. In the in the Greek, it's the word S-A-T-A-N. In the Hebrew, and all it means is adversary. When Jesus said, I've got to go to Jerusalem and be crucified and resurrect the third day. Peter said, be it far from thee, Lord. That's not going to happen to you. Peter said, get behind me, adversary. He said, Satan. He said, you're telling me what I'm not going to do? You're an adversary to me. That's all that Satan means. Is your flesh an adversary to God? Yeah. Boy, when you get in your 80s, you know that. You start owning up to all the sin you ever had. And you say, oh, God, forgive me. I was driving to church and I was saying, God, forgive me for all this stupid stuff I've done, sin I've done. I, I feel like such a fool. It's a wonder people will even listen to me. That's what I feel like. If you don't feel like it yet, you will before it's over. I feel so foolish. For, have you ever just during the day just been doing something and all of a sudden it hits you something you used to do and you went, oh God. God forgive me for that. I'm so sorry. Have you ever done that? I'll do that often. I, he will remember our sin no more but the bad thing is we can't forget it. He doesn't hold it against us. He said, "You, this one is justified. Justified doesn't mean to be saved. It's dikaio. It means rendered innocent by the blood of Christ. Let's read the rest of this. When I teach on this eighth chapter, I'm talking about, I don't even know if I'll get back to that outer man. We've got to get back to Colossians. The third chapter, it tells us all about the character of the outer man. And it says, put on the inner man. you got to get back to Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. It'll tell you, put on this new man. Put on is the word in duo. It means to sink into clothing. E-N-D-U-O. To sink into clothing. What is the clothing that we have? Huh? He's washed us from our sins in his own blood. The clothing is a blood baptism. When John the Beloved was there in the seventh chapter of Revelation, 
And he sees this great congregation around the throne of God. And John, and the angel comes to John and says, he sees these this great multitude. They're clothed in white. And uh, the angel says, John, do you know who these are? He said, thou knowest, you know, I don't know. And the angel says to John, these are those who have made their robes white in the blood of Christ. Righteousness is always a picture of white robes. There's an amazing thing about that. In biology, in biology, let me erase some of this so I can do some more writing. In biology, there is, in the blood, you got leukocytes and erythrocytes. Leukocytes, I think I can spell it L-E-U-C-O-C-Y-T-E-S. Leukocytes and erythrocytes. The leukocytes are the white blood cells. I can't write when I'm talking. White blood cells. And erythrocytes are the red blood cells. And when John says that in Revelation 7, the robes are made white. Robes made white. That's the color of righteousness with God. I'm not talking about white people because most of them are not righteous. Robes are made white and that's the righteousness of God and that fights and that's made white by the blood of Christ and the leukocytes fight. They fight infection in your body. When you get a cut the red blood, the white blood cells immediately rush to that cut to fight the infection. And they, and the red blood cells are made white. They produce, the white blood cells produce the red blood cells. And so infection in our bodies is fought by the white blood cells making the red blood cells fight for our non-infection. Now, let's get back over here to, to the 8th chapter. For In verse 20, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of God, it says Him, but it's talking about God, who subjected Adam in hope. And then it starts in talking about groaning. In verse 22, For we know that the whole creation, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction are not creation. That word creation, kathesis, means something that is perfect. 
perfect, not in the sense of being without sin. Perfect is always either teleos or teleates, which means mature. Mature, grown up. Now, let me go on here. The creature itself shall be delivered from bondage of corruption. That's still talking about the bondage is the outer man and the inner man is delivering us from the outer man into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And we know that the whole creation groaneth. Love that word groaneth. It's the word sustenazo. S-U-S-T-E-N-A-Z-O. The word, the prefix su is either su or sum or sug or just one of these words or several others. It means to be in fellowship with. And the word stenazo is the verb form of stenos which is the word straight is the gate. And we're groaning because we're going through the straight gate. It's a narrow gate, like a turnstile. We're fighting. What are we fighting with? This guy out here. Self. Stop fighting your neighbor. Fight yourself. That's who we're groaning about. We're groaning. Stenos. Stenazo is the verb form. We're fighting and groaning. This is the noun. This is the verb. You got nouns and verbs in the Greek, just like we do. So, because the creature itself has been delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. That's talking about the inner and the outer man from the previous chapter. For we know that the whole creation groaneth, sustenazo, and travaileth in pain together, together, sue, that means all of us are struggling together. We're not one of us in this thing alone. We're all together. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan, stenazo, within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, uiothesia, the placing of sons, our literal bodies, into a, to wit the redemption of our bodies. Get us out of this outer man. We're still talking about that. Redemption of our bodies. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. Hope is the word El Pinzo. It means to depend on a promise. Promise is the word ep. A-G-G-E-L-I-A. Epangelia is always the word, is that word uh, promise all through the New Testament. Elpidzo means to depend on a promise that's been made. You can't make up your own promises. Depend upon promises that God has made. He says we will die to this outer man and he'll give the inner man eternal life and one way, one day he'll give us a new body to go with that inner man, a new body. 
Then he says, But if we hope for that we see not, in verse 25, then we do with patience wait for it. We can't see the body we're going to get, but I believe we'll get one. Then he goes on down here in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Our infirmities is this guy outside that we're wrestling with, these fleshly bodies. For we know that what we should pray for as we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Prayer, prosukama, means to bow to the will of God. We don't know how to do that in the flesh sometimes, do we? But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. He intercedes for us with this outer man. Intercession. Intugcano. Uh, E-N-T-U-G-C-H-A-N-O. Intugcano means to impinge progress. God's going to impinge the progress of this outer man here. He's going to impinge. It's like if you're down here at Gallatin Road and you see a car coming and you're on Gallatin Road and you see a car coming down this road it's about to run into this little kid here. You pull off the road and you knock that, that car off the road so this little kid won't get hit by that car. That's impinging progress. God sees what we're about to do with this outer man. And he knows how to stop us. He won't always stop us. Will he impinge us from getting in trouble too much? The word is paga in the Old Testament. That's the word intercession. You can't make intercession unless you can stop something from happening. We can pray, Lord, help that person in their trial and in their struggle. We can't say, God, take away the sin or take away the temptation or take away what they're about to do. We can't do that. And then he says, verse 28, and we know that all things work together. All of what things? All of the groaning. All of the things that God's do, got to do to stop this outer man from the previous chapter. And the older you get, you have a lot of sin when you're young. Even when you're freshly born again, you have sin, you have pride, you have arrogance. You've got anger, you've got, you've got orgay, which is anger and revenge. You got all this and all of the things that God did to us that made us groan. Stenazzo. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. Strive agonizomai means to agonize entering in. As we enter into this inner man, this outer man has to die off. Most of my outer man has died off at my age. I got some of it left. You, you'll never get rid of all of it. But you can submit to it rather than feed it. You don't want to feed the outer man. You got to watch out what you hear and what you watch, don't you? The eye's not satisfied with seeing nor the ear filled with hearing. The mouth will not simply utter it. All things are full of labor. Idolatry means to serve what you see. Ido lo latria. Ido means to see. Latrua means to serve. 
got to watch what you look at. You're feeding the outer man when you do that. Am I guilty of that? Yeah. And then he says, we know that all these things work together for good to them that love God. Agapao. And to them who are the called according to his purpose. And then he says those magic, wonderful words. For whom he did foreknow. Whom is the those that have the inner man in them. Those are the ones that he prognosco. That he knew beforehand. Those are the ones he's predestined to conform. The predestined to conform is this inner man overcoming that outer man over 20, 30, 40 years of life. It's the inner man at overcoming this outer man whom he did foreknow. Whom? Whose? Masculine gender, plural. All of the who's that he foreknew, prognosco. Pro before gnosko means to know intimately ahead of time. The people that he foreknew, he's predestined, pro horizo, to be conformed by all of this groaning. And all of this that he's putting us through, you can't teach Romans 8.29 without preaching the whole chapter or without preaching at least part of the previous chapter. I hope you all can see this. This is one word. This is the word of God, not the words of God. How many did foreknow? I didn't even get into this. He also did predestinate pro horizo. He has predetermined those people he foreknew, foreknow, the homes he foreknew, before determined that we would be in the light, and that's the inner man. And he makes this whole life that you live light. And that's the horizon. And he's predestined us to be conformed to the inner man and he's going to take over our lives and we're going to live in the light and he's going to get rid of self or the demon, the outer man. I don't know why anybody else hasn't even seen this. But you've got to study all the words in the, in the book. You've got to pay real close attention to the previous chapter to come up and understand predestination. We started with demons and we've gotten to predestination at the end of this message. To be conformed, sumarphos. To be conformed to the image of his son. Image is icon, means likeness. And that's talking about the inner man, isn't it? He's put this man through so many problems in his life that self or the demon of self has to go. And it's not something easy. I can tell you being old that it will happen if you're a believer. And you'll have more patience with your with life and you'll quit condemning others and you'll say, my biggest problem is me.
Jim Brown has been the biggest problem I have had in my life. Until you can come to that, you think it's... I used to think it was real estate moguls, and I thought it was music promoters, and it wasn't. It was just me wanting something I wasn't supposed to have. Had a great voice, had a super tenor voice. But I wasn't supposed to be doing that, so God gave me bronchial asthma, and why I can't sing anymore. And who wants to sing at 82 anyway? It's crazy. Fame, just give you... Bless you when men shall reproach you. Reproach on the edzo means to be infamous, not famous. I didn't even know that word when I was young. If I'd have known that, maybe I'd have had a second thought. Didn't even know that. But you can be a famous mogul. You can be a famous somebody that invented some thing that they put on TV and say, here's your new whatever it is on one of those advertisements, one of those programs they have, and they get on there, and you got to send nineteen ninety five on your credit card. You had you had to be famous to an extent to do that. I I'm going to stay on this inner and outer man. I've got to go into those chapters: Colossians three, Ephesians four, Second Corinthians four, and tell you all about putting on that inner man. The inner man is the new birth in us. That's being born again. And when God says, I will not live with a harlot, he says that over in the 6th chapter, 2nd, uh, 1st Corinthians. I will not live with a harlot. The harlot he's talking about is the harlot of Babylon that says, let us make us a name, and that's the outer man. He says, I will not live with that outer man. You will get rid of that in my time. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, thank you for understanding and seeing these words. I pray you'll give us strength to deal with our own sin so that we can repent of self, the demon of self. Fight our battles for us. I've got so many people that want to stop this ministry. Lord, stop them. Only you know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight anymore, Lord. It's all up to you. Give the the people that are listening strength to understand these words so they can begin to deal with their self. The problem is not others, it's ourself. And we'll praise you for everything. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I went some direction. I didn't mean to go, but I'm glad I did. When I'm preaching predestination, I can't get away from that. I hope it, this will help you see Romans 9 better than ever before. Hey, Rusty. Hey She's fighting her blood pressure. Uh, not her, yeah, blood pressure. And fighting feeling bad. I hope everybody can get a hold of this thing. It's Our problem is us. It's just us.
What you doing, guy? I think I'm going to take forever to read that um, To Babylon book. It's just a really good book. It is a lot of stuff. You got to you got to study it. I bought the audio and I got the. You got to study it. It's it's. It's not a it's not a read through. It's not a read through. Yeah. No, you can't just read through it. Sometimes the best thing to do is go to the back of the book, look at the index, and thumb through it and see if you can't find something you. You know. It's going into. Mary Joseph and going into monks and stuff like that. It's just, it's just a lot of stuff that we have today that people think that they kind of swear behind. Yeah. 